The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Today, we are going to discuss the most relevant topic of the current times, impact of Brexit on global business. I have two very distinguished guests with me joining from London. Both the guests and your host are cohorts of London School of Economics, Master's Program in International Strategy and Diplomacy. Our first guest is Victoria, uh, who is a partner at Chalk Hill Partners, a corporate finance advisory focusing on green, social, and infrastructure financing in London. Victoria has extensive investment banking experience, having worked in London and New York, primarily focused on global capital markets and emerging economies. She began her career in UBS Wealth Management in New York and later moved to run debt capital markets at UBS Investment Bank, focusing on Central and Eastern Europe. Welcome, Victoria. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be on the program. And our other distinguished guest today is Kamal. Kamal is the founder and managing partner of Atlas Square in London, an alternative investment manager focused on making investments across global equity and credit markets. He's an industry expert with extensive global experience as a founder, former head, and portfolio manager of hedge fund Skagen Capital UK, where he set up the London office and ran a discretionary portfolio. And also at Goldman Sachs, where he was executive director in London uh, for Fundamental Strategies Group, vice president with the, within the equity investments group, and research analyst. Welcome, Kamal. Thank you for having me on the show. All right. Let's uh, go to our subject today. Uh, Both of you are so expert on your subject. If you can throw some light and provide some insights to our listeners on why is Brexit an important subject for everybody to know? Uh, Thank you. I'll I'll start... uh I think personally, really, is a clearly it's a first order political shock within within itself, and and I mean, we're comparable to uh, the ranking that we had in the UK to the miners' strike in seventies and eighties. It's uh, and it's the most uh, destructive shock since the uh, Second World War. In addition, uh, I believe that it represents also rebellion against the urban political elite, which which has stood uh, for globalization, low taxation free markets, free trade, and European political integration. The eventual global effects of Brexit will depend on whether this will remain truly British political upheaval or whether it will start a European, even global political trend. Political experts view Brexit is a credit for the UK, but of course it's also one for the EU. Hmm. Kamal, what do you think? Well, Mahesh, I would agree with Victoria. Brexit is most importantly an economic shock for the UK. The implications for the rest of the world are likely to be marginal, at least in the short term. However, the greater risk is what are the implications for globalization? The major question is, does this represent a reversal of the trend towards greater connectivity between countries through such organizations as the EU, the WTO, 
and other multilateral organizations designed first and foremost to promote open trade. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great point which both of you bring in because if you see uh, the impact of Brexit, uh, IMF, when they came out with their global growth forecast post-Brexit, they have reduced it by 0.1 percentage points for this year and also for the next. So definitely what you're saying, there is an impact uh, on the global market, but the undercurrent, which you mentioned, Kamal, and, and you had that, that also, Victoria, that what would happen to the trend of globalization which was happening in the past? But let's start with the global growth forecast, what they have reduced by 0.1 percentage. What do you think is happening there? Would you like me to take that, Mahesh? Yeah, yes, please. You can come up. Well, I, I think that that is an acknowledgement that the uh, global economy has received a shock. And that shock will result in some uh, reduction in overall growth. In this case, the IMF indicates that it's uh, about 10 basis points. But with uh, growth overall running at somewhere between 3 and 3.5%, it's a marginal decline. Nevertheless, uh, it is a decline. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like a small number, 0.1%, but overall 0.1% on, if you see a total global GDP of more than $70 trillion, it could be a huge number. Victoria? I totally agree with Ms. Kamal and you get your, your comments. Uh, personally, I believe the tighter financial conditions and low consumer and investor confidence in Europe and UK. Uh, in addition, I mean, emerging markets economies are still, um, still uh, have a lot of uncertainties. It, will, uh, it might impact the uh, fragile global recovery, which we have now. In addition, um, strong yen and dollar post-Brexit might limit growth in uh, Japan and United States. So far in China, the effects were muted. However, if the growth in advanced economy deteriorate, China might, might be impacted as well. Yeah, uh, although China seems to be uh, at a far distance from UK, but the, the trade, the impact would come not only with UK, this will have overall impact on the new equations which will come up as the Brexit happens. And I would say, would you say this is more in response to the uncertainty which uh, they are projecting would be there till Britain is fully out of EU? And uh, if we look at what could be the possible fallouts of Brexit. Kamal, you want to start on this one? The possible fallouts of Brexit, Brexit uh, yeah. from, from which perspective, Mahesh? Um, in terms of currency, in, in terms of trade, I'm saying what could be uh, the, the possibilities with Brexit coming out? Well, the Britain coming out. Well, Mahesh, the, the implications are uh, fairly uh, wide uh, uh, spread, but I think the most important thing to concentrate on as far as Brexit is concerned, is really trade. What we have is a country that was formerly part of a trade bloc looking to exit. So that certainly has implications for the UK as well as the EU. But from a broader perspective, it's really about the linkages in the global economy. And to what extent do countries want to participate in larger trade blocks or groups, if you will, and reduce the friction or costs of doing business with each other, but also enjoying some, uh, uh, some downsides to that, primarily uh, displacement of jobs to lower-cost countries in the case of uh, certain more wealthier countries, uh, and at the same time, uh, the promotion of technology and automation and other uh, advanced um, uh, methods of uh, production from more developed uh, countries into the emerging markets. Uh, a lot of 
trade promotes this level of interaction between countries in a way that can be very disruptive. And that uh, has implications from uh, a societal level. And uh, that is probably one of the foremost uh, potential uh, takeaways from Brexit, which is a recognition by populations that perhaps some of the downsides of this type of globalization, this, this type of um, uh, impact from globalization is not always welcome, and that politicians need to be very careful about addressing uh, the consequences, the negative consequences, as well as promoting the positive aspects of trade. That's very well said, Kamal. Victoria? And I totally agree um, with Kamal. And one point I would like to, uh, to add as a finance professional that uh, immediate fallout um, besides uh, trade there will be an impact on services. And um, uh, there will create uncertainty for the city of London for the Brexit. And there is um, still no clarity if we're going to have a soft or hard Brexit from the single market. And uh, trade and services are kind of two parts of the single market together with the free movement of labor. Financial industry represents about 10% of UK GDP and it's an important contributor to UK tax budget. The future rights to tap into Europe uh, from, from London for any financial term known as passporting is now in question. Um, it's, 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 you know, like all American, large American and Asian global financial companies favored London for the European headquarters and kind of passported their services ac across um, uh, from London to Europe. This is now in question and might lead to large part of workforce, as I mentioned before, already by Kamal, um, uh, to move to other cities in, uh, in, uh, in Europe or, or somewhere else. Um, so this, of course, will impact UK financial industry and uh, uh, if you reposition as financial center. However, new foreign minister Boris Johnson recently mentioned that City of London might be able to keep passporting. He cited mutual uh, economic dependence between UK and um, uh, EU, which will help to resolve it. However, we don't have yet certainty um, about it. Yeah. I, I think there could be some more impact uh, uh, from the currency side of it in the business as uh, as the pound sterling has become weaker uh, as compared to dollar as well as euro in case of going down versus these currencies. Definitely, the, the UK uh, exports uh, will become competitive with pound becoming weaker. But on the same side, the, the imports will become more expensive and that probably could cause some inflation there. And uh, we'll continue the discussion after a short break. Uh, we'll be going on a break, Kamal and Victoria. Thank you. Please stay with us. Uh, we will rejoin after the break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Welcome back. You are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Oh, we have with us Victoria and Kamal discussing the impact of Brexit on global business. 
Kamal, Victoria, welcome back. We had very good discussions in the first segment. Uh, let's move on. Share with our uh, listeners, what do you see are the long-term implications of Brexit on global markets? Thank you, Mahesh. I will start with that. Um, I will start on this question. Personally, I believe that UK decision to withdraw from the EU has opened Pandora box for global investors at a time when we have a, a low commodity prices, a sovereign bond yields are sinking to new new lows, and prospects uh, um, are still dimming for many emerging markets. So it created a short-term and long-term uncertainty. Really keen a short-term uh, impact on currencies with uh, pound falling versus dollar and euro. Um, and overall, one of the kind of long-term impacts with that IMF expects uh, a lower pound equilibrium uh, going forward. Let's talk about some positivity as well. Uh, it's also going to be short-term some um, impact on the UK asset they shipment. So there's some M&A opportunities and we already seen it in number of M&A uh, announcements the uh, last few weeks with, uh, for instance, IMCC buying um, Odeon and uh, um, African retailer Stainhoff acquiring Poundland. Uh, in addition, uh, we have seen a rally in UK blue chip stocks uh, relying on exports as a cost base in UK shipments due to the, um, due to the um, pound weakness. However, personally, I believe that long-term uncertainty from Brexit will, uh, will, uh, can be negative uh, for closing M&A deals in, um, in Europe, in UK. So it will be impact on UK real estate and, and globally on uh, capital markets. One point I want to highlight that Brexit, um, thanks to Brexit, the long-standing government uh, bond market rally might continue. And then um, um, the ultra-low and negative yields, which we have now, might stay with us in near term. Come on. Well, Mahesh, I think one of the most important long-term potential implications uh, particularly for the UK and its position within the global economy, is to what extent do uh, investors treat the UK differently now that it is outside or potentially outside of the uh, European Union? Specifically, uh, up until this point, the UK has, if albeit reluctant uh, uh, partner, been viewed uh, as a uh, very much part of the uh, European uh, project. If you look at the UK, and I believe Victoria has already touched on this, it does run a substantial fiscal uh, as well as trade deficit. And those have been in place uh, for many, many years. In fact, in the 70s, it created uh, a significant amount of uh, trub- trouble uh, for the UK uh, in terms of financing, to the point where uh, the UK had to resort almost to uh, relying on the IMF for uh, financial assistance. The question will become over the long term, do uh, investors continue to value uh, assets that are denominated in the pound sterling and want to continue to fund both that trade deficit uh, as well uh, as the fiscal deficit by buying uh, debt uh, from the UK government. Now, in the very short term, uh, it is unlikely that we'll see any real implications for either one of those two. However, on a longer term basis, uh, the, the uh, desirability of owning uh, sterling-based assets will be a question that investors will very much be asking themselves. And that will also extend to other asset classes, as Victoria also mentioned. For example, uh, the London property market is very popular uh, globally, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and uh, that is a question that um, investors may uh, ask themselves, although uh, they may continue to enjoy traveling to London and uh, uh, very much owning property in a cosmopolitan setting. Uh, the question around sterling, uh, the foreign, uh, the, the currency, uh, and the fact that it may further depreciate over time as investors uh, ask themselves whether they want to own these assets, uh, is something that uh, may uh, have some impact on. Uh, uh, on the UK and its position within the, the global uh, global economy. 
Yeah, you're right. I think Britain has a lot of impact on the global markets. It's It's been there for ages. Great Britain, if you look at it, has been a major player on the global stage for centuries. You know, now they're exiting EU, but if you look at it, what is Great Britain? Major player, global stage, centuries. Now, if you look at even the empire, it stretched across almost seven continents. And, and its people were spread around, its culture was spread around. And uh, still, it is the fifth largest economy in the world. And most of the British companies have a very good presence across the world. They're well respected. And, and they have major stakes uh, throughout Europe and uh, the global markets. And if you look at what's the UK, it's, it's a union of four separate countries. And, uh, but the ambition being to play in global markets. So that kind of uh, gives a flavor that union of four countries getting out of uh, uh, an EU, which is a business opportunity. Maybe there is uh, a, a point of view where they're looking at playing not only in the EU as an entity in the global markets, but uh, looks like the long-term implication of Brexit, it will play out across uh, a lot of countries in global markets and government bodies because of the presence of these companies. The businesses are spread all over, including from pharmaceutical to automotive to an aerospace. And uh, it probably may take uh, several years, maybe a few decades, when the consequences of Brexit uh, will start emerging. And uh, that gives me a feeling that uncertainty may continue for some more time till uh, the impacts start rolling out. And that may not happen in one go because of uh, the global entanglement of the businesses from UK over the centuries, cultures, people, government bodies, AIDS. Uh, that's what I think. And, well, that's uh, right, Mahesh. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Kamal. I said that, that's, that's right, Mahesh. While the negotiations are likely to take two or three years, the ultimate impact uh, will take much, much longer. And as you mentioned, companies of which there are many large global uh, businesses uh, based here in the United Kingdom that are active all over the world, their position uh, will have to be assessed in the context of uh, both what are the positive aspects of Brexit as well as some of the negatives. For example, a company doing expensive amounts of uh, trade with the EU, to what extent are production facilities based there? Will there be tariff implications uh, from bringing products from the EU into the UK and vice versa uh, for facilities that are already part of a global network? Uh, within a corporation, all of these are important considerations that question, uh, that companies need to be asking themselves. Uh, unfortunately, they won't be receiving any answers uh, for the next few years. However, as the uh, situation clarifies and as the negotiations take place between the EU and the UK government, uh, some of these uh, uncertainties will clarify. Yeah. <laughs> Just to add, Mahesh, to this, just forget that Brexit is a process, not an event. So it might take a number of years to, to see a final picture. Yeah, that's a very good point, Victoria. If you look at it, took so many years, decades of discussions to build EU, give it a structure. And, and with the entanglement of so many countries and uh, policies, government bodies, and especially what, what, what comes up very strikingly is the financial industry where UK had a major role. It is almost like the financial capital from where all of the financial transactions are done. And uh, that could trigger, do you think it could trigger a move for 
the global financial uh, companies who have made their headquarters in UK to start rethinking where should be the right place for them. I'm, so, I'm sorry, uh, Victoria. I, 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 I'll uh, start off by saying that you raise a very interesting point with regards to financial services because this is an important question for not only the organizations that are based here in the UK, global financial institutions, but also the impact on the European economy because Europe benefits greatly from being well integrated uh, and having London as its financial center. Now, London has a very deep, uh, liquid and growing capital market and serves as a, a gateway to uh, global financial markets in a way that Paris and Frankfurt have really never been able to do. So with the relationship between the UK and the EU growing more complex, any reduction in that access would uh, obviously reduce the attractiveness of the overall European capital markets. To the extent that that happens, financial institutions, as you cited, Nash, uh, will have to assess their presence uh, the scope of their operations, and decide what is the most uh, attractive option for their stakeholders. Right. Well, thank you, Kamal, Victoria. We will be taking a short break now. And uh, Kamal, your comments segue us into our next topic of discussion, which we will uh, address after the break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Welcome back. You are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We are having a very interesting discussion with Victoria and Kamal from London discussing the impact of Brexit on global business. Uh, um, Brexit has been unprecedented. You know, Victoria, what do you think? Can you share some insights on what could be the possible impact of Brexit on the European economy? Thank you, Mahesh. It's difficult to quantify, as I mentioned before, but it is a process, and it might take two, three years to see the long-term impact. Of course, clearly, the expectation that there will be an impact on the GDP of European economies. But one point I want to highlight, post-Brexit outcomes, which reduce trade or increase the cost of trade between the UK and the rest of Europe, will be damaging for both sides. So it will impact the economy of... Um, the EU as well as the UK. Um, the EU is a more important uh, trade partner for the UK than the UK for EU. However, the UK demand is very important in macro terms for a number of uh, um, EU countries, especially in Eastern Europe. They, they run, um, UK runs large battle deficits with them, so the course they will be impacted substantially. Um, another tangible uh, kind of direct uh, impact uh, on um, uh, on EU and will be on EU budget, as uh, the UK is uh, one of the net co- contributors to UK budget, and with UK leaving, all other countries uh, would have to sh- uh, show that they're missing money. The biggest burden uh, will be on the biggest ec- economies, uh, of course, like Germany, 
which might have to add uh, at least 2.5 billion euro on top of the current uh, 30 billion, uh, 30 billion euro into the EU budget. So, um, just to summarize, basically, we're going to have a direct impact on trade and the cost of the trade and services, as well as the GDP and the uh, EU budget as a whole. Hmm. Kamal. Thanks, Mahesh. I'll just pick up on a point we were discussing prior to the break, which is the implications from a financial services standpoint. Most companies in the financial services sector base their operations out of London. So one of the possible impacts on the European economy, as we were discussing before, is does the UK's exit from the EU somehow diminish the European capital markets from a desirability standpoint to the extent that corporations, global businesses want to raise money, be it equity or debt uh, capital, do they continue to view Europe in the same way that they did before without London being within uh, the European Union? I think that's a very important um, question. Uh, It's an important question uh, for the UK, but it's also a question for the European uh, economy, which has benefited in recent years from uh, a maturation of the capital markets, which had historically relied on uh, bank lending and other forms of uh, financing, traditional financing, to more uh, capital markets-oriented solutions uh, for financing. Without London as its, uh, as its center, does the Europe- European economy suffer? I think the answer is certainly yes. Now, at some stage, there will probably be some compensation as far as new centers of uh, trade and uh, financial services uh, developing within the European Union. However, they are unlikely to uh, compete uh, with London given its long and deep roots uh, as a historical financial center. Yeah. And, you know, the dependency, even if you look at the UK economy, uh, just beyond the economic factors, if you see the competitiveness of UK was improving as it was part of EU. As the data suggests, their growth rate has been increasing post-EU, after they became part of it. And also, in terms of uh, their labor cost, uh, with the migration happening in uh, UK, the cost of production in terms of labor, they did get get benefit. And um, I think in terms of, if, if you look at the European economy, there could be some impact in, on the competitiveness of the products from UK. Well, one can argue that if they were for exports, they could still appear cheaper because their currency has devalued. But for local consumption, if you look at it, they had that cost advantage. Now, imports to substitute those products which they were using, the migrated labor to build at low cost, would be on the higher side. So probably with the imports, uh, the prices going up, the unavailability of migratory labor, shortage of labor could cause the cost increase. This probably may give them a disadvantage in terms of inflation. But beyond that, they may have an impact of losing, uh, I would say, a captive market, which is Europe for them, the whole of EU, where the trade was so easy and for them it was all set up. They definitely lose in it. Uh, the exports to or the supplies to the EU. I was just wondering what do you think about the EU business, which they were doing in Europe? What would be the impact on that? Uh, there's another aspect to that, that is Britain able to compensate for loss of that business by having their individual business arrangements with the rest of the world, which probably in earlier situation, they were supposed to go through the EU guidelines forever. 
when I say ever means always. What are your thoughts on the bilateral trade between um, UK and the Europe, uh, impact on both sides? Any thoughts on that? Well, Mahesh, um, I'll start off by saying that certainly during the Brexit campaign, one of the uh, talking points uh, from the Brexit camp was precisely what you just described, which is the ability to strike bilateral negotiations uh, with uh, bilateral agreements, excuse me, uh, with uh, countries uh, with much more freedom and flexibility than had previously been the case. However, the reality is that a country tends to trade most with uh, countries that are closest to it. Right. Same way that the United States has Canada as its uh, foremost trade partner, that is also the case with the UK and the EU. And although it will have the freedom to strike uh, bilateral trade agreements with countries such as Australia or Canada or other uh, prospective Commonwealth countries, the reality is the trade linkages, uh, uh, when they are that far flung, tend to be lower. So it will be very difficult to mitigate the impact of the EU uh, as a potentially reduced or, or perhaps uh, with higher friction costs uh, as, a, as a potential uh, trade partner, which is to say, to the extent that you can't trade with the EU the same way that you could before, it's going to be uh, more challenging. However, the UK will have that flexibility to uh, strike agreements with uh, countries such as China uh, or perhaps uh, the United States. Uh, but again, uh, the first thing that the UK needs to do is, of course, put in place the infrastructure to be able to uh, come to those agreements. Uh, as you know, Mahesh, the EU contains all of the trade negotiating infrastructure within uh, the Brussels bureaucracy. Uh, so the UK has to create that from scratch, which will be a challenge, but I'm sure they'll be able to uh, do that within the next few years to be able to uh, start these type of negotiations. I totally agree with, with Kamal on this point. I think just one, one point to stress out, I think bargaining negotiation of power of UK versus the EU, of course it's more given it's uh, population size. Um, however, um, UK still has a lot of advantages in terms of it will, it will negotiate much more freer than uh, that they need to consider the rest of the EU countries. And uh, there will be some advantages for some industries, but of course, I think the broader agreement come out, it's going to be a more difficult process. Yeah. Uh, you know, it definitely looks like will trigger a recalibration or resetting of processes and, and uh, you bring in a very good point. The process was established. The rules were there uh, in, in, in the trade in the EU with Brexit. Uh, UK will have to set up all the processes again. And uh, that's actually could become time consuming. It could be uh, frustrating. And while you're running uh, such a large economy, it can have some adverse impact on your economy when you are fixing those processes and uh, the ease of doing business at least for short term I think will get affected although um, they are doing good business till now since they were all part of the EU and UK was part of it but with the rest of the countries in UK they may have to rethink and probably even before the processes start coming coming into play the uncertainty may make the countries now in EU think about possible alternatives within EU to do business than to do business with UK, keeping in mind the uncertainty associated with UK being out of the EU. Uh, we will now uh, take a short break and uh, we'll continue our discussions after the break. Follow 
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Welcome back. You are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Very interesting discussion with Victoria and Kamal from London. We are discussing the impact of Brexit on global business. A lot of uncertainty around it. A lot of anticipation, a lot of expectations. Let's move on to our next topic. What does the global economy look like post Brexit, if he broke into, let's say, uh, short-term impact and a long-term impact? I think I'll kind of break down, in, as, you, as you already mentioned, into part short-term and, and long-term. And as we discussed uh, already, we will continue going to see a lot of uncertainty in the short to medium term, and which will impact global growth this year and, and next. One um, uh, aspect of currently in the short term, which, which we see that emerging markets are benefiting uh, in the short and medium terms, as their expectations for uh, weaker dollar as well as a um, lower rate in uh, in uh, states and potential disruption in um, in trade uh, in trade because of a Brexit, are turning uh, tables on advanced economies and. Uh, it creates a positive momentum for emerging markets and emerging market assets. In addition, the UK vote to leave the European Union has boosted bets on central banks uh, to keep flooding um, the global financial system with the cash, and uh, it gives investors some confidence to put money into risky economies. Uh, although, in the long term, as we discussed before, we will need to see the full outcome of Brexit, a new framework of UK trade and service relationship with other economies, especially with the EU, United States, China, and the Commonwealth. If we see a soft Brexit with limited destruction of um, UK and EU economic relationship and UK remain uh, um, as open economy as it is now, it might be positive uh, for global growth overall and will give a boost to, um, uh, to global economy. Hmm. That's a good point. Come on. Well, Mahesh... Uh- Maybe tackling this question from a different perspective, which is the market perspective. The market has voted, at least in the short term, uh, that there will be very little in the way of impact. Uh, If you look at the major indices in the U.K., they've recovered or exceeded their pre-Brexit levels. Uh, The FTSE 250 in particular, which contains mainly domestic U.K.-oriented firms, has almost entirely retraced its losses. And most other global markets have exceeded their pre-Brexit levels, including the S&P 500 in the United States and uh, other regions of the world. So from a market perspective, at least in the short term, and to the extent that the markets reflect uh, some sliver of what's going on in the global economy, there's not much in uh, in terms of impact in, in the short term. From a longer term perspective, to Victoria's point, it will depend on what kind of perspective deal the EU uh, strikes with the UK. If it's a constructive deal, then all's well. However, if we're talking about a divorce of sorts, it will have potentially significant ramifications for future trade and those trade blocks that we discussed earlier in the program. If countries start to believe that they are better off outside of a block 
such as the European Union or even the WTO, for example, then the implications for the global economy could be quite dire. And if we go back to the history books, we have gone through periods of time like that, most recently in the 1930s, when trade blocks uh, <coughs> uh, were uh, erected and uh, countries resorted to tariffs and other beggar-thy-neighbor type of policies, then, of course, the consequences were very, very dramatic. So, uh, to the previous point, it all really depends on exactly what kind of deal we are looking at. Because mm-hmm. that's uh, clear that the markets have recovered. So there was a very volatile and, and very swift reaction to what happened. Uh, but if you look at the global economy, UK is part of it. They have been participating for centuries in it. Just for UK, would would you say the investments coming into UK for short to medium term may not be to their full potential as they would have come if UK was part of EU? Yes, we discussed this. Yeah. Mahesh, this, 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 yeah. uh, I think we discussed this previously, which is to what extent over the, the medium to long term yeah. do investors start to look at sterling denominated assets as something that uh, they may or may not want to have exposure to. So, uh, Right. And that gives, that ki- sorry, that kind of gives uh, a competitive advantage to other markets, which probably will emerge, will take advantage of this situation where those investments will go. And I saw, um, um, in, in, you, you mentioned that, Victoria, that emerging markets may have that benefit. So uh, uh, where I was heading to uh, linking these pieces is probably uh, does this push further the global center of gravity for economy towards the emerging mass markets faster than it was supposed to happen if there was no Brexit? I just, just to add on that, uh, of course, if we have a turmoil in EU and UK, it will impact emerging markets and that they have a trade, trade in close economic relationship uh, exposure. How, how, uh, how if we see aversion, aversion, let's say, from UK, this, uh, this close might turn positive to some emerging market economies. As we saw recently, all the emerging market funds had inflowed um, uh, for the last few months and benefited, uh, well, benefited this, uh, by quantitative uh, Policies from UK, from EU, from from um, United States. So to some extent, we have this short-term quality effect on the emerging market. But I believe that if we see very negative impact on the European economy and UK, emerging markets will be impacted, given that they are uh, closely linked uh, to their trade relationship. Well, thank you, both of you. Good discussion. Uh, do you think? that Brexit is currently the biggest risk to global economy? Personally, I believe that it has meaningful political and economic, uh, economic risks, especially as global economy is very fragile now. And also depends on UK government steps and actions to mitigate the process. However, as Kamal mentioned before, markets have remained resilient for the Brexit, as there is a faith in central banks and their actions and overall on the confidence uh, in, in risk. That's why I don't think that it's the biggest risk, but it's very, very significant. And if we compare to migration or climate change, probably it's, it's a more secondary. Um, and another important uh, point to monitor global economy risk is, of course, the development of Chinese economy. Hmm. Well, thank you so much. And we are coming close to the end of our program. I just want to uh, share with our viewers a few of the data points which we discussed today. And as Kamal, you mentioned that the markets are back to the pre-Brexit levels. But when Brexit happened, uh, the day next to that, it wiped off $2 trillion of the global markets in June of 2016, although it came back. And this probably was one of the most dramatic and uh, 
I would say, volatile and downright scary trading session uh, we would have witnessed. I think something like that probably happened in 2008 when we had the recession. And also another point which is worth mentioning is that UK had a very slow growth in prosperity in the group of G7 before the EU membership. Actually, in the G7, they were the last in the growth rate. And the growth rate was measured in terms of annual average increase in GDP per head in percentage. But once they were part of EU, they became the number one in the group of G7 in terms of annual average increase in GDP per head. And the third point which I want to share with you, the unique phenomena happened on the day of Brexit, actually the next day. The sterling suffered a huge plunge. Uh, in the early hours of trading when the market opened, it fell down from $1.5 to as low as $1.33. So uh, in the end, I thank you, Victoria and Kamal. Great discussion. Looks like Brexit has created some uncertainty. It was unprecedented. So there is a lot of uh, anticipation how things will roll out. Uh, Since it is unprecedented, there will be processes getting recalibrated, things moving. There will be a lot of moving pieces. And uh, uh, we hope that the global economy doesn't get impacted by it. And uh, the stock markets and the markets keep growing as they're growing. And uh, thank you so much, both Victoria and Kamal, for sharing your thoughts today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.